Well, happy early Monday morning to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Atypical Man podcast with your host, Mr. Caleb Meacham. I hope that you guys had a great weekend. Got some things done around the house. Maybe hung out with the family a little bit. Went out and had some dinner. Maybe even caught a movie. Purpose of today's show. It's been a little while since we did one of these. And I had to get back in the saddle and come up with a topic that wasn't the standard <laughs> that I've been talking about lately. And I decided to take a break from the political stuff for a while. And this isn't overly political. It's more historical. And something that I hope you'll feel free giving your comments and your opinions towards. After all, that's what this entire endeavor is about. Sharing ideas, tossing around ideas, seeing which ones make sense to hold on to and which ones we should set fire to. So that being said, I stumbled across an article called The American Founders Knew a Virtuous Republic Requires Virtuous People. I think any of us with five functioning brain cells would agree with that. That it would be difficult for our constitutional republic to remain virtuous if virtue was absent in its people. And the reason for me bringing this up today is that, and I don't say this often, I am having a difficult time with some of the things that are being presented in this country on behalf or for the Founding Fathers. I think there was a time when the country was first being established and built that the founders thought that as long as virtue remains in the people, the country will be virtuous. And that I agree with. What I'm not entirely sure they saw happening was for large segments of the country to watch how the hell am I trying to say this? Watching these virtuous people deplete and go away. Or virtue becoming untrendy, if that makes sense. And this gentleman, the contributor to this article that was written back on 28 April 2017, says, quote, This is the pivotal question the political philosopher Leo Strauss raised in the opening pages of his most well-known book, Natural Right and History. Quoting part of the famous second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, Strauss implied that the knowledge of founding principles and continued belief in their truth were vital to the success of the American experiment and self-government. Now, I agree with that. I do agree with that. And I think instead of taking a little break, we're just going to keep rolling. We're going to let this thing roll today. I don't feel like chopping this thing up. We're just we're going to we're going to have a conversation this morning. So I hope you got a cup of coffee or tea or something in front of you. Don't worry, I won't take up a lot of your time. The article goes on. Again, this is from The Federalist, April 28th, 2017. Contributor's name is Mike Sabo. Hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Mike. If I'm not, I apologize. He goes on to say, quote, But if recent findings or any indication Americans' acquaintance with the founders' principles and practice seems to be at a at an adir, according to a report of the American Council of Trustees and Alumni, a majority of college graduates can't recall 
the substance of the First Amendment or the origin of the separation of powers. Whoa. Perhaps most alarmingly, nearly 10% say that Judith Scheinlin, Judge Judy, is on the Supreme Court. You heard me right, ladies and gentlemen. 10% college graduates, 10% think that Judge Judy is on the Supreme Court. He goes on. A big part of the problem seems to stem from the fact that of the 1,100 liberal arts colleges and universities surveyed, just 18% require students to take a course on American history or government before graduation. That is bananas. 1,100 liberal arts colleges and universities surveyed. Just 18% of them require students to take a course on history, on American history or government before graduation. Think about this for a second, ladies and gentlemen. If you've got kids or if you yourself attended a liberal arts school or university, was it a requirement to take a course or courses on American history or government before you graduated, before you threw the cap? And be honest, this is the shit that keeps me up at night. Because whether my son elects to go into the military like I did, or he's in a position to go to college and study whatever he'd like, the idea that it might not be a requirement to study American history or government is incredible to me. Not for the sh- not just because I or any of you listening should feel that our kids need to find something in politics or the American government. God help us all, okay? But no, it's it's not that. You can't speak on what you don't know. If you don't study American history, one, yes, as cliche as it is, you're doomed to repeat it. And two, if you don't study how the government at least basically functions and how it works, you're going to be in bad shape. If things start to happen in your local community or hell, even your state, and you have questions about why things are happening the way they do, if you don't understand how the government, even local government, functions, you're not going to know where to start with your questions. You're going to have to ask somebody. And I'm not saying that's a horrible thing, but if you can lean on yourself as opposed to leaning on someone else for answers during your research stage, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you leave it up to somebody else? Here we are again, ladies and gentlemen, letting other people do your thinking or your work for you. It's lazy. It's complacent. And to a certain degree, at some point, it becomes negligent. So just don't do it. Study for yourself. Study how all these processes work. 18%. My God. Even I didn't know that. Goes on, quote, though certainly more classes and what is though certainly more classes and study are necessary to correct these glaring deficiencies, scholar Thomas G. West suggests that the problem problems go much deeper. Good God. Coffee hasn't hit the brainstem yet, ladies and gentlemen. Give me a break. (laughs) While professors are undoubtedly intelligent, 
He argues that their views on America, especially regarding our nation's founding, have some serious flaws. Hmm. I'm going to be checking this book out for sure. It's called The Political Theory of the American Founding, Natural Rights, Public Policy, and the Moral Conditions of Freedom by Thomas G. West. I'll be checking that one out for sure. In the book, West sets out to remedy this problem. West, professor of politics at Hillsdale College and senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, gives a comprehensive overview of the founders' political theory and the intricate web of policies that flowed from those principles. Well, I'll be damned. For what it's worth, I am a former student of West. Oh, this is the uh, the author saying this now. This sober and deeply learned work represents the culmination of decades of serious study and reflection on the American founding. And it might just be the best book ever written on the subject. Okay, well, that's obviously subjective, but that's, that's this, this guy's opinion. But that does speak pretty loudly. Um, make up your own mind, obviously, whether you find this book at the library or you go down to the bookstore or you say to hell with it, I'm not reading it at all. Well, that's your decision. You know, it's it never ceases to amaze me, ladies and gentlemen, and it really doesn't, that when it comes to us being able to study the things we want to study, whether it's in college, we take a few courses maybe in the military, we study abroad, you know, overseas for a little while, either at traditional university or I don't know if they, whatever their versions of Vogue schools or tech schools, things like that over there are. It never ceases to amaze me that nowadays, the moment something becomes untrendy, it doesn't take very long until a group comes along and says, not only is this untrendy, but it's dangerous. I don't know how many of you were paying attention after the, quote, insurrection on the Capitol building right after the, the last election or just was it just before the last election, whatever that was. The mainstream media going after conservatives because of what a couple of these nut jobs did at the Capitol. What if the roles had been reversed and we found out that it was a bunch of ground-pounding hippies that stormed the Capitol? I'd be saying this to anybody who's on the right as well. If you were to go out and say that every liberal or every progressive is now dangerous or has become a threat because a small pocket of people acted like complete and utter dumb shits, you're wrong. You're just wrong. And for all of you assholes out there, that said, now all conservatives, Republicans are dangerous and should be dealt with, fuck you. That's my advice to you. Go fuck yourself. Because that's not all of us. Matter of fact, I would imagine, I'd surmise that if any of us clear-headed, clear-thinking conservatives had been at that event and saw what was going on and we had the ability to do so, we would have knocked those people on their asses. Guaranteed. You can't put an entire group into a dark room and say you're all bad if five or six people in the group, 10, 15 people in the group act like fools. Now you're the fool. You look and you sound like a dumb shit. You got to quit. Knock that shit off. You're not doing yourself, you're not doing your, your, your political affiliates, your friends, your family, you're not doing anybody any favors with that kind of weak T thinking. Period. 
And it's the same thing on the right. You can't say that every liberal or progressive is a Marxist or that they want to see this country burn. It's simply not true. Do those people exist? Yes, they do, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't think that communism and Marxism is trying to make a comeback, again, you're mistaken. You need to open your eyes and look at what's going on. Is it the majority of the people on the left doing this? No, it is a small minority, but that's where it starts. We keep pushing them back to the fence and saying, no, look, this has been tried. We're not going to do it here anymore. If you'd like to take part in a communistic or a socialist or a Marxist model, there are plenty of other places in the world that you can travel or live. Travel to or live. We're not going to have that here. That's not how this is going to go. Have people tried? Yes. Are they going to continue to try? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, they will. But the people that know what those philosophies are and what they're really about, they'll never allow it. They'll never allow it. At least not without a fight. We've got to start being more realistic and honest with ourselves about what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. This idea of burying our heads in the sand, it's enough. It's enough now. (laughs) As if... Our freedoms haven't already been eroded, especially over these last couple of years, which leads me to my next question. For those of you that are fully vaccinated, I'm curious, based on where you live, are you able to go into a grocery store or a restaurant or someplace where you're gathering around or with other people indoors. Are you able to go in there without a mask yet? And if so, do you get any dirty looks? I ask because obviously, was it a few days ago, maybe going on a week now, the CDC came out and said, look, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask indoors anymore. Things can start getting back to quote normal. But I've gone into some grocery stores a restaurant or two. And there are people, some people wearing masks, some not. And the ones that are wearing masks are giving the ones that are not some kind of interesting looks. Like rolling their eyes or doing this and I'm going, if you haven't gotten the vaccine and you think it's going to work, go do it. And if you have faith in the mask and social distancing, keep doing that. This is my decision. I choose not to wear a mask. Unless I'm somewhere with my family where I absolutely have to have it on in order to be with them, which is challenging in and of itself. It's a little more relaxed here in Texas, and I'm grateful for that. But no, I'm not going to wear a mask unless I have to, because I'm not worried. I'm not, I'm not afraid. So many of, again, so many of these grown men and women walking around outside or in their cars alone wearing masks. That's your decision. I wish you weren't so afraid. I wish you weren't so scared. Walking around outside with nobody around you wearing a mask. It's your life to live, I guess. 
just doesn't make any sense to me. But again, it's your life. That's what freedom is. Anyway, this gentleman goes on, goes on to say, what makes West unique among scholars and historians is that he actually treats the founders, the founding fathers' political theory as if it might be true. Hmm. In an age when an easygoing historicism envelops the American mind and history itself is thought to pick winners and losers, this standpoint is refreshing. West comes from the perspective not of the dogmatic skeptic nor the blind zealot, but of a concern for the truth of things above all. I think the the moment you start really looking for, quote, truth, is when it gets really interesting. Because if you've been believing what folks in the mainstream media have been saying, whether it's on the right or on the left, they those people are trying to convince you and I that what they are saying is true. So the question for you and I becomes, how do we prove otherwise? You know, if you've got somebody in your ear that tips to the right in their politics and you tip a little bit further to the left or left center and they're trying to tell you what, hey man, listen, if if you haven't seen, if you didn't watch or listen to Tucker's show last night, you need to go back. Everything he said was true. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Vice versa. You've got someone that tips left to center talking to someone that tips right to center going, hey, I don't know if you watched or listened to Anderson Cooper's show last night or Maddow. You need to go listen to it. They're telling the truth. Okay, I'll do that. How do you prove that what the other group or what the other side, if you will, and I'm not trying to create more division here. I'm trying to make a point. How does a conservative... go and prove or disprove, as it were, things that are being said on the left? And how does the liberal or the progressive prove that what's being said on the right is not true? How do they disprove people talking on the right, like Tucker Carlson or Napolitano or any of these guys, the group from the five, any of this? How do you do it? You go to the websites that support your theories and support your beliefs. If you're a conservative, you're probably over at Fox News. You're probably over at Breitbart. Um, I mean, the list goes on. If you're uh, liberal or progressive, you're over at CNN. You're at MSNBC, things like this. You're using your own party's, quote, knowledge or truth to disprove the other party. Now, if that doesn't seem to be working for you, and maybe you could ask yourself this question, Where else could you go to prove or disprove what's being said? Hmm? The history books? Our textbooks from high school, college, grad school. How do you disprove it? And if so, how long does that process, how long is it going to take for you? That's the question. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason why I normally keep this podcast at about 30 minutes, because after that, hell, a lot of times before, people are go, this, uh, this, I'm, I'm bored to tears. I don't have time for this. A, a podcast? I'm going to listen for 30 minutes? There are exceptions to that rule. Myself and other people I know will sit and watch or listen to Rogan for 
two or three hours sometimes. Maybe not all at one whack, but we'll listen to it. We've got to start being honest with ourselves about what we're, quote, learning and what we're, how we're being educated. Doesn't it seem sometimes like somebody's, you know, some of these people on both sides of the aisle, doesn't it seem to you sometimes that they are just trying to mess with your head? Like they're trying to get you to be confrontational? Like they're, they're trying to get you to bite so hard on the bait that when they pull the reel back, it just, the, the hook just rips itself right out of your mouth. Just fucking rips your gums apart. Now, why would they do that? Why would anybody want to do that to another human being? To provoke a response, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe not to them, but for the people that they're trying to get you revved up at. When they've got you creased and they've got you revved up towards another person or another group, they control you. They control your thinking. And if they do it long enough, they can start controlling your behavior, our behavior. And I'm speaking from experience here, ladies and gentlemen. You go back and you listen to some of the first episodes of this show. Or you get on the Facebook page of the website and you go back and you look at some of the very first videos I shot. I've only been doing this just, but I think it's still under a year. I think August is when I started doing this of last year. It's hard to believe it's almost been a year, but. There's a reason why I started to switch gears. Because the more I was focusing on politics, mostly on the conservative edge, yes, or right of center, but the more I was concentrating and focusing on politics, you can ask my family this. I was, whoa, I was a wound up human being for quite a while. I would go seeking these stories. I'd go seeking these pages and people out. And you know who they are. I'm not going to use their names here. All, all the ones that were really popular last summer before the election earlier this year. Or excuse me, late last year. All those people that gained massive popularity in the political sphere. It seems now, based on how people are acting and behaving, that, that, that was most of that was flash in the pan. It was hot. It burned hot for a long time. And then after the inauguration, it just started to slowly putter itself out. Similar to what you're seeing with COVID, more they're, they're, they're lessening the restrictions when it comes to the masks. They're becoming a little bit more open about it. I don't really see that much in California and New York. Those poor people. Those poor people have been shut up in their houses and apartments since this whole damn thing started. I had a, a customer fly from Los Angeles to Texas two weeks ago. And we met at one of his satellite offices over on the other side of Fort Worth. And he couldn't believe it. He could not believe how much more relaxed it was here in Texas. And I've been telling him over the phone, you know, it was a quick day in and day out visit. And he's going, Meech, it's like you guys are kind of back to normal over here. 
they're still in lockdown mode where he is. An area in Southern California. Most of the restaurants are closed still. No movie theaters at all. You can order food. You can have it delivered. And I think I think they're doing curbside now. I think you can do curbside pickup. But eating indoors? No. Going anywhere without a mask? No. I understand that safety is important, ladies and gentlemen. But can I please ask the goddamn question one more time to you? When does security become more important than freedom? When does, the secu- when does security from or protection from a virus that is very specific in who, how it targets and what it does to people, when does your ability to overcome that fear and Start living your life again because you don't know how much longer you and I are going to be here. When does that fear subside enough to say, you know what, the hell with this mask. If I get it, I'm going to get it. I'll fight it. I'll do whatever I have to. But am I going to keep shutting my life down with these masks? Can't go into restaurants. Can't go to movie theaters. Can't take my kids bowling. Some of these places, you can't go to an outdoor park, ladies and gentlemen, if there's more than five people. They're all masked up. Some of their parents are wearing gloves. Masks with shields. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And we sit and we take it. We tell them, we let them tell us what to do. That's not how this is supposed to go, ladies and gentlemen. We tell them what to do. How did this get so lost on us? Well, the federal government says we got to do up. Get bent. They work for us, ladies and gentlemen, not the other way around. And you need to start warming back up to this. And for those of you that think that some type of... Massive change, I don't like to use the word revolution because it's been superimposed so many times over other conversations. But if you think big change like that can't happen in our lifetime, you're deluded. It's lazy thinking. And if you're honest with yourself, one of the most, one of the largest contributing factors to that kind of thinking is fear. You laugh at it, you mock it, you joke it, you joke it, and you joke it to death because you're afraid that it might be possible. Somewhere deep down inside of yourself, all these places where you don't like to talk about, you know that a lot of what I'm saying is true. You know it is, or at least possible. But get right with yourself. Make this make sense to you and your family, not just because I say it or somebody else says it to you. Make it make sense for you. And if you can dismiss it using your own theory, your own truth, your own beliefs, go right ahead. That's what freedom is. But don't dismiss it out of hand because one, you're either scared of it, two, you think it's impossible for it to happen here, or worst of all three, the people around you are doing your thinking for you. You lose every time. Every time. 
I got half a mind to keep going today. This little platform does require a quick break at 30 minutes. We're about 28, 11, 28, 12 deep. I'm going to sit here for a minute. And if not, I'll come back and I'll close the show. But I think we've got a couple more things that we can talk about. Some suggestions, some opinions. Doing this in a 30-minute soundbite is not, it's not getting a job done. This is a very large and broad topic. And I really would like to get your opinion. And if you are having conversations like this with people in your life, I'd like to hear from you. I'd especially like to know how those conversations are going, how they've affected you or how they're affecting you. Because a lot of this isn't going away, folks. Doesn't matter who gets elected next time. Doesn't, get, doesn't matter who gets beat in the election next time. Nothing will ever change until we do. Until we stand up and say it's enough now. So with that being said, let's take a short break. Maybe get yourself another cup of coffee, some more tea. Or depending on where you are and what time it is when you're listening to this, maybe get yourself an adult beverage as we bring this to a close. Stick around, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for hanging out with us. You know, in closing, I'm going to read a couple definitions for you real quick. See if you can figure out what this word is. First definition, noun. Moral excellence and righteousness or goodness. Second definition, also noun. An example of kind or moral, kind of moral excellence. Any idea what that word is? It's virtue. It's a big one. Big, big word for six letters. As I mentioned at the very beginning of the show, I am a little concerned that Virtue is beginning to cease in very large numbers in our country. I couldn't tell you, or I'm not going to speculate or guess, at least not on this show, what the chief cause of that is. Why virtue and integrity and loyalty and all these characteristics, these ideas, these personality types are beginning to become untrendy and unworthy in the minds of a lot of people. I'm not saying we have to move backwards. I'm not saying that we need to live our lives the same way they did at the founding. Or hell, even back in the 1900s. You know, 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Things change, they always do change. That's one thing we can count on to keep happening. But there are certain things, in my opinion, that are timeless. Virtue being one of them, as well as integrity, loyalty, and telling the truth as often as you can, if not all the time. Am I, gonna, am I, am I saying that little white lies are going to bring the country down? No, I'm not. But tell the truth when you can, especially when it comes to things about yourself and about the people around you. Be honest with your situation. I think the more we lie, 
about ourselves and about other people and about our situation, the easier it becomes to protect and defend those lies with the opposite of virtue. Which I'm sure there are plenty of words for. <laughs> like, uh, what'd you call it? Deficiency, demerit. I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of examples, but I digress. The founding fathers knew to a certain degree then what they were facing. Would it have been easy for them to predict what we would see in 2020, 2021? I don't know if their forward thinking would have been or was that accurate. That's 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 a hard prediction to make. You know, from the late 1700s to 2020, 2020, that's a jump. You know what I mean? Not saying it's impossible, but it would have been very difficult. And one of the other things I wanted to share with you by this gentleman, let's make sure I get his name right, Mike Sabo from the Federalist.com. He says, because all men are created equal... Just government can only be founded on the unanimous consent of individuals who want to protect their rights, which are insecure outside of civil society. The founders called the condition in which there is no common authority to protect against infringements of one's rights the state of nature. The logic of the equality principle, West contends, necessarily leads to the right of the people to rule themselves in person or through elected representatives. Consent, then, must be granted not only at the founding of a regime, but also in the course of its operation, lest it degenerate into a tyranny. Whoa. Well, Mitra, are you saying that our society is tyrannical now? To a certain degree, yes, I am. And it's happening on both sides. So for a conservative to say all the problems are being created by liberals and progressive, that's weak-minded thinking. And for any of the liberals or progressives listening and saying, well, it's, it's the conservatives that are destroying this country. These old traditional values, is, this old conservatism is what's not, only, not allowing us to move forward, to progress. Could both sides have a point? Of course. Of course they can. Is one side more right than the other? That depends on who you ask, ladies and gentlemen. That depends on who you ask and where you live. If you live in the South and you and your family tip more right of center or way far right of center, you're going to have a difficult, a very difficult time understanding what happens in places like California, New York, Chicago. It's... It's to be expected. Just like people that live in California, New York, they wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know what to do if they got in front of someone that's from, I don't know, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. I mean, it's different lifestyles, and that's okay. 
But like I've said a dozen times on the show and on the video series is that if we don't find a way to work together, if we don't find a way to at least create a balance in the conversations, arguments, and debates that we're having, we will lose collectively as a country. Will the country fall? I don't know. Possibly. Am I saying that's not possible? No. It's quite possible. Look at the State of the Union. We are divided more now than we've been since the Civil War. Think about that for a minute. The United States as a whole is more divided now than it has been since the Civil War. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. I would much rather not fight another civil war in this country. Will I do it if I have to? Yes, I will. But I'd really rather not. I'd really rather not see all of the potential citizens going into this bout, into this situation, getting maimed or cut down. And for what? Because we can't agree with each other? How many people out there honestly think that we're not better than this? That this is just who we are, this is who we've become? Maybe there are people that do want to see this world burn and that's all they want. I know those people exist. I've met them. Personally. They're creeps. And I do what I can to distance myself from them. There's no reaching those people. But those are the people we're going to have to fight. The ones that think they've got it figured out and that their way is the highway. And if the rest of us don't like it, then the hell with it. Okay, well, come on. We'll knock you down just like we've knocked everyone down behind you, before you, that had that kind of mentality, that kind of thinking. You lose. People like you, you lose always in the end. You never win. Ever. You put up a lot of talk, and you and you huff and you puff. But the moment when the moment comes that we put our hands up, you lay down, just like always, because you're cowards. All of you. You'll be vetted, and you'll be run out of town. You never last. The men and women of any color, any culture, any background that still possess virtue will destroy you. And when you couple integrity with well-meaning and security and protection to virtue, I'd look out. (laughs) You won't see those people coming. They'll just, they'll run right through you. What I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is that keep doing your own thinking, okay? Don't let some of the stuff that you're seeing get you rattled. Because the moment you're rattled, you stop being able to function at your peak. You stop being able to perform in healthy ways. And you don't want that. As long as we can find ways to continue to find ways to keep our chins up and keep talking with each other. Even if and especially when we don't agree. 
We can have heated debates, heated conversations, and if that's as far as it goes, fine. Because at least that way we're not fighting out in the street. We're not throwing hands in the street. I'd rather, much rather throw a few gross names back and forth during an argument. Nothing terrible, obviously. Just just tossing a couple of heated suggestions, if you will. Like, go yourself. <laughs> during an argument or a debate. I'd much rather do that than the alternative. Which is you and I throwing hands in the street. You know. That doesn't have to happen. Should we be should we be prepared in case it does? Yes, I think we should. It's called being a responsible adult and a responsible thinker, a healthy thinker. Doesn't mean it has to happen. That being said, I sincerely appreciate you guys stopping by for a visit. Don't be strangers around here. You can come see us over at thisatypicalman.com. And now, is it This Atypical Man on TikTok? I think is what the page is. Yeah. Got a few videos over there now. Go check that out over at TikTok. This Atypical Man at Instagram and the Atypical Man Facebook page, where I'll be loading a new video here in the next day or two once I get the uh, subject down flat. <laughs> Anyway, you guys have a wonderful rest of your day and rest of your week. If we don't get a chance to talk again, like I said, don't be strangers around here. Come back and see us again soon. And high fives to that beautiful family of yours. You guys take care. My name is Caleb, and you've been listening to The Atypical Man. Good night.